0: Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky. Support McCartney chats his fantastic new kids' book, Hey Grandude. Frank Skinner tells us about his five-week stint at London's Garrick Theatre starting in January. Samo Farah discusses his training schedule ahead of Tokyo 2020. Plus, Kevin Smith, Robert Carlyle, Dexter Fletcher, and loads more great
1: guests. Enjoy. Our next guest is a man you may be mildly familiar with. He gave us Hey Jude and with the release of his new children's picture book, he's given us Hey Grand Dude. He wrote a paperback writer and then he became a paperback writer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Sir Paul McCartney. Hey, right,
0: we'll get What out. an introduction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you're off now.
2: He's gone. <laughs> Never called me mother.
0: Right, Hey Grand Dude. Um, from one Grand Dude to another, um, mm. when did all this come about then?
2: One of my grandchildren called me Grandude. He said, hey, Grandude. And I thought, oh, that is good. That's original. And we all had a laugh. And as I sort of left that day, I thought, that'd be a good character for a kid's book. So I just started writing some stories. And then I had been approached by publishers who said, you know, that we'd like to do something. And I said, well, I just (laughs) happened to have a project. So, yeah, I'd I'd mentioned this to them, and um, that's how it came about.
0: And um, how many grandkids you got? Eight, is it? I've got eight? Eight. Um, What kind of granddad are you?
2: Terrific. You know, I love them, and I love being a granddad, and we spend quite a good bit of time together. We don't live near each other, but we go on holiday together, you know, like Christmas, and in the summer... We, we'll we see each other and then sometimes me and Nancy pick them up from school so that's nice
0: and you, you've always you've always kept it as real as you can which is not easy in your world in lots of people's world, worlds but in particularly mm. in yours how how normal can you keep it as as a grand dude
2: yeah pretty pretty normal really I mean I think we just do what the other you know grand dudes do <laughs> uh, uh yeah, it, it's good. It's great fun, you know, because you don't know how to do it. Like parenting, it's an ad lib. It's the biggest ad lib, you know. So when grand parenthood comes around, it's like, okay, what do we do here? And so I say the joy is like picking them up at school and they love it. I don't think it's just us. I think it's the ice cream. Has got something to do with it. So you do all those things, you know. And you can play with them and stuff. And then, as everyone always says, there's the handoff factor.
0: Yeah, he's just pulled his
2: pants, love.
0: <laughs> Here, over to you, and back to you. <laughs> he and uh, and grand Dude, he has. How much do we tell people about what Grant? Because he has a superpower, doesn't he? He does. He doesn't
2: mind. Tell him anything you
0: like. <laughs> so it's a cross between, like... I think it's a cross between, like, the granddad out of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and oh. Aladdin, because Aladdin had the lamp and he's got mm, his compass. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah? Exactly.
2: He's got this magic compass. And uh, I was just thinking, actually, because knowing I was going to do this today, because he's done these adventures in this book, but he's having a bit of time off now. <laughs> and the thing is, I realised that compass... Is self-rechargeable. No way. Get out of here. Come on. So it's getting more (laughs) powers as we speak.
0: Okay, so um, we're on the verge of Christmas. I know you love Christmas, okay? Oh, yeah. And I know I've heard a whisper that Mm. you're writing, helping write the musical version of It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. Where are we with that? Because that's, I mean, it's the greatest
3: Christmas film of all time. It is a great
0: film, yeah.
2: We're very advanced, And I've written, I think, about 20 songs for it. And I work regularly with the guy who's doing the the book. And um, it's great. It's another of those things that's fresh. You know, what I do normally, my day job is going doing concerts, making records. But if an opportunity comes up to do something different, then... It's great; it keeps our brain working, you know. God, how do we do this? Yeah, and I have no idea what's involved, and what happened really with that was I I said to the uh, the guy who was going to put it on, uh, who's an old friend of mine from from school in Liverpool, uh, I said, "Would the writer write up the first twenty minutes of how he sees this thing?" Because I, I have no idea what 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 you want me to do. I can't just sit down and go. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> you know, like, what do you need me to do? So he said, Well, they don't normally do that, but he'll do it. And he did. He sent me the first few pages of the script, and I was hooked. I just thought, Oh, yeah, I could see that on stage. Yeah. So, and then from then on, we've just developed a good relationship. Where will it be on first? Where will it premiere? I think we're hoping to do it in England right? first. It'll be 21. Right 2021 I think That's
0: really exciting Paul Seriously It's really exciting you, you writing the songs For the musical Of It's a Wonderful Life It's so it's, I mean It's, it's all there it's, isn't it it's there, <laughs> If you want isn't it? Yeah.
2: I mean I can only get it wrong But you know <laughs> um, I'm, The thing is I'm diving into it That we sort of Agreed to do this I thought I'm really not going to Think about it too much yeah. I'm just going to Think Okay Here we go And just Jump at it And you know The first thing comes out you know, if it doesn't quite work, then we, we can fix it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I've just been having fun, you know. And often the writer will give me some lyrics. Now, I've never done that. Well, except when I was working with John.
0: I was going to say that there was that Beatles there was, period there was a slight period there wasn't there yeah. no, I've never done that
2: no no Chris behave yourself what I mean is no, nobody's ever just presented me with like a bunch of words on a paper yeah, yeah. in a collaboration no do you, no, you mean Bernie talking
0: Elton John that kind of thing yeah exactly Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so i would never i never had that and i would kind of been a bit <laughs> jealous of El- Elton you know Bernie just comes along oh I've got this idea it's called Benny and the Jets yeah yeah can you do anything with it? And you go, yeah, okay, ding, ding, ding. So, uh, so that's been a good aspect.
0: Is it true? Have I imagined this? This is mm. purely selfish. This has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Did you write "Let It Be" and another m- mega Beatles song? But I don't know which. In the same day,
2: I doubt it.
0: I, I've- I must have dreamt it you- that you wrote. You wrote "Hey Jude" and "Let It Be." within four one before lunch one after lunch that never happened <laughs> no, no, that no that's impossible
2: I think that's impossible yeah <laughs> we're recording them right. we, we recorded no, at that, that pace that. that's different yeah but I'm glad to hear you dreaming of me
0: yeah no I'm always dream. always dreaming of Paul McCartney <laughs> Macca thanks a lot
2: okay well done
1: the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio from spending his last few quid in 1987 putting on a show at the Edinburgh Festival to conquering telly, radio and even topping the charts. He's been there, he's done it. Currently taking his showbiz tour around the UK before landing in London's West End next year for a five-week residency. Please welcome West Brom's finest. It's Frank Skinner. (laughs) Morning, Frank. Morning. (laughs) Frank, um, I was going to talk to you about your residency um, in London
0: in January. And, At the
4: Garrick Theatre. Yeah,
0: the Garrick <laughs> Theatre. Um, and we've mentioned it loads of times, and we'll mention it loads of times more. Uh, and I was going to say, you know, how, come you, how do you prepare for that? But I didn't realise you're on tour preparing for it, so that's quite easy, isn't it? That's so a non-question, I, yeah, isn't
4: it? Yeah, I'm, I'm on tour. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's like being on tour, but I can get the boss in, is how it, is how it works. Because last night I was in Bristol, tonight I'm in Portsmouth, and being in the West End will be easier.
0: So what, 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 is, what is Frank Skinner observing and, and waxing lyrical about right now?
4: Well, I'm talking about um, my life, which is, you know, whatever it is. This could be on it in some form um, tonight in Portsmouth. Who knows? That's the kind of way. It's like carrying around a big sausage machine and you're just sticking the meat in one side and the comedy sausages are coming out the other.
0: And they always do tend to come out for you. I
4: mean, that's that's that's, that's so the language far. you speak, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Um, I got uh, there's a mate of mine called um, Dennis Leary. who's an American comic, and he when he moved to LA, I remember he phoned me up. He said everyone here is having therapy. Promise me you'll never have therapy. He said the important thing is that we are wired wrongly, and that's why the comedy comes out. And he, and I said yeah, but you know. And he said Now Listen, would you rather be would you rather be happy or funny? And I said <laughs> I'd rather be funny. He said okay then, never have therapy.
0: <laughs> but it, it
4: strikes me that you're probably both. I guess. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm fairly. Um, I'm fairly buoyant as a as a human being.
0: When you uh, the current tour the current Frank Skinner's show right that, that may evolve every, well it probably does evolve each night I would imagine.
4: It's called showbiz the show but just because she got a name. But in the eye of this storm now this mm. this 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 also
0: also also almost too funny for itself um national situation we seem to be in. Yes. Do you have a nightly commentary on what's going on?
4: Well I mean it's... I don't um it just happens that stuff. Like, um
0: How does it happen?
4: Well like last night I just happened to be talking about having money. I was in Bristol, I was talking about, you know, having money on stage and people react quite they don't know how to react to that. You're not really supposed to bring it up. And I started shouting, Come on guys, the free broadband is on me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think th- I like moments like that where you can just... I don't re- I'm do not i not really a political comic, but you can always find funny sort of human stuff in it. And it's just a big... Any big topical story will do me.
0: And when an audience leaves the Frank Skinner show... Um... What do what do they take home with them? Don't don't give me a funny answer. Okay, but what what do they take home? Hope? Do they take home insight? Do they what do they, what do they take home from the French...
4: Well, country? I I I just think um, it's really good to have uh, a very very long laugh, like ninety minutes of laughing and. Uh, I, I think what they probably take home is some jokes that they can drop on their friends at work and pretend they thought of Like it. what, for example? Oh, well, no, I'm, I'm not doing my gags on here. But, you know, I mean, jokes. Someone said to me the other day, um, someone who I had... Uh, Clive Anderson, who I hadn't met for about 18 months, said, uh, "Do you know, I still, uh, I still think of that joke you said, that um, you and your ex-wife shared a sense of humour you had to because she hadn't got one. And I like it when I hear people quote, Gags back because it means I like quotable gags. It means they exist forever, really. It's
0: funny because I don't, I don't remember you or think about you as a gag bloke, but you are. You do do gags, don't you?
4: Now gags, I love gags. I mean, just gags in everyday life. Uh, I that I love. Like there are certain gags I do over and over just for the joy of saying them. My partner's very, very touchy on healthy food. And every now and again, we'll have a meal. And she said, this is a bit, it's, it's a bit too oily. And I always say, well, it's only quarter to one. <laughs> it's the
0: <guy's> best thing <laughs> in the
4: world. And I always say quarter to one, even though it's not quarter to one. That is the way. We had a th- I mean, we had a, a, a phone in once on, a, on, on the radio show I, I do on a, another channel I won't mention. And somebody said that his dad always did this thing that whenever he put the car into reverse, he used to say, this takes me back. And he said, <laughs> no, he says it. He says it to his family. So that joke has existed, like, for about 40 years, constant repetition, which um, makes me very happy. And the more
0: you say it, the funnier it gets yeah. forever. Yeah,
4: exactly. I don't, I, those sort of jokes, they're like family jokes, I think you there's a joy in them being said. And you mentioned your radio show before, mm. um, you,
0: you sort of fell into radio. how was it 10, 15, 20 years ago now?
4: Um, it's yeah, about 11 years ago, yeah All right okay, and you love it, don't you I absolutely love it. You and, absolutely oh no I didn't I didn't it. do that on purpose. <laughs> I also I, I virginly love it as well. Um, no, I, I used to. I mean, I said too many times that when someone said I'm passionate about radio, it means that their career is in ruins. Um, But now I say it and it is I don't know what it is you tell me you know more about radio than, than anyone there's something different about uh, talking on radio than talking on telly or whatever and I'm, I don't know quite what it is but it's where I'm most me I think Frank sure.
0: it's lovely to talk to you thanks so much for being here um, Showbiz runs at London's Garrick Theatre from Monday the 13th of the Jan till Saturday the 15th of 2020 and any tickets available for any dates before then around the rest of the country or
4: are you all sold out um, I, I don't know the answer to that I've got about I tell you what I, 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 I talked to a friend who's in a play at the moment, I said, How's your play going? He said, Nine more to go. And I thought that's not a good answer. <laughs> I don't know how many tour dates I've got left, so that's a very good sign, I think. All right.
0: Uh, FrankSkinnerLive.com uh, is where you need to go to find out if there are any tickets available for that and for those tickets for the London residency next year.
1: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a quadruple Olympic champion, six-time world champion and best-selling author. But more importantly, he's a proud gooner despite current form. (coughs) With exciting news on his participation in the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, please welcome another knight of the realm we can add to our list to one, the only, Samoa Farah. Morning, Samoa. Morning, everyone. Morning, Chris. Uh, Right, now,
0: you're not, well, you are a team of one um, and you begin yourself a talk uh, of of late. Just the him. What do you have to say uh, to the world this morning, Samoa? Say so
5: good morning, everyone. Yeah, to, um, I've I've been thinking for it's, it's taken me a little while, and I've I've been thinking, and um after Chicago Marathon, I've taken a nice break with my family, just enjoyed being around my kids, and and then after a little while, I was just been thinking about Tokyo 2020, um and it's not too far away, and um I've, I've really enjoyed the marathon, but you know, having competed in 10,000 before London and then Rio, in the in the uh, Tokyo 2020, I would like to compete in the 10,000 meters. So, come out retirement and compete on, back on the track. When did you decide this? I've decided it's straight after Chicago. Uh, not not straight away, but it was it was on my mind. And the, one of the reason is like, you know, when you watch telly and you you watch the people uh, when watching like the World Championship in in Doha when I watch, I watch the 10,000 meters, watch other races. And there's that part of you get excited. You just like and you see your country winning medals for people for your country and stuff and you and you ask yourself and you like it almost like felt like I needed to be there and at that point it got me thinking and then after Chicago like look I, I, I still believe and I still got that drive and hunger and all I want to do is just you know win races and do what I do best but at the same time enjoy it and I have enjoyed the marathon and for, for, and I'm not finished with the marathon but Tokyo, I would like to go out there and see what I can do for my country in Tokyo
0: Olympics. There's that great phrase, isn't there? First love never dies.
5: It hasn't died. And people said, like, you know, when I when I've t- retired after 2017, I said, Look, I'm stepping on the side, I'm done. And then the following year is like a mm, little bit, a little bit. And then now it's been two years and I'm like, I want to get back out there.
0: So, so when you say you will carrying on marathoning, what do you mean by that specifically? So what I want to do mainly is just bit this clear. It's a concentrate
5: on the 10,000 meters for uh, Tokyo 2020. And then after that, I have fun with the marathon and do what I need to do. But mainly Tokyo, go go out out there and compete on the track and, and before Tokyo, we'll As I've done over the years, it involves doing one or couple, one or two races, maybe even three or four races, and kind of just see where you are, what what training, what can you change, and hopefully you know you see things that you're not so good at, things that you're so good at, and that's how you work. uh, Which as a marathon has been tough because. You can only raise every six months once and then you have to wait for a whole six months it's just it's it's, it's, isn't it is different
0: it's so different because Paula was talking to Paula about it Paula yeah. Radcliffe and she says she doesn't run at all, not even a step for at least three weeks after a marathon and that's when you just begin to get back into whatever you have to do for in six months' time which is exactly what you say you just can't keep doing it so for Samo Farah and the Olympics and the 10,000 meters see also the five thousand meters anything more to tell us Mo um. No.
5: <laughs> no, it's great to be back at Chris, as I said. You know, you have to enjoy
0: what you do and I do love it and I'm just excited. Can we ask you about um, Eli Kipchoge's Sub 2? Vas is here now, you two just had a great chat off the air. So first of all, tell us where you watched uh, his Sub 2 triumph.
5: So when I watched it, where was I? I was at um, Chicago, I was at Chicago and it was, uh, I think it was the night before. So I didn't actually watch the full race, I just heard it next morning. Cause I had to uh, get go to bed early, but you try and calculate yeah, what what does sub two hours mean, and for for the people who are out there who are joggers and stuff, we, we kind of understand a little bit, but they're not quite only full runners. Someone who's a runner who's been there, competed and stuff does understand and actually calculate. Oh my God, that that's this and that. As we said, that we had this
6: conversation just now. So um, so I'm a member of a running club. I'm a, I'm a runner. Um. So just after that, the Tuesday night after he broke two hours in the marathon, which really felt like a a Roger Bannister moment, didn't it? Um, 17 members of our running club Barnes Runners, including eight, I think, sub three hour marathon runners. So, I mean, proper club runners. We went down to our local track and we thought, let's see if we can do. So his average pace per lap of the track was 68 seconds, one minute and eight seconds. And of the 17 members of Barnes Runners, who attempted to do one lap. That's one lap. Yep. He did 105. But one lap in 68 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I asked you off here, I said, guess how many? I went two. And I went no. No. <laughs> none, none of us. <laughs> none of us managed a 68-second yeah. lap.
5: And even if we break that down back again, so if 200 metres, it's 34 seconds. Yeah. And then you've got 17 seconds for 100 metres. So yeah. most people who go out there today, just go and do 70 second, 17 seconds for 100 metres. That will show you sort of what
0: how fast he was going. It's <laughs> funny though, isn't it? Because we've done things out of our comfort zone. I think we all have, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you go back to, to what you do for a living on a regular basis and you go, oh, it's just, it's just like being back <laughs> at home. I bet you can't wait, can you? But I'm
5: excited, to be honest. I'm excited and you have to be excited if you ever want to do something and, and get to the top and, and do what you do and I think that's important, but every one of us, whatever we do, we have to enjoy that. If you're only enjoying it, it's difficult to get out of bed and do what you do.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'd I'd love to, it's nice to see you like this. It's almost like you're human. It's incredible. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio we've heard from three guests already but there's loads more still to come kevin smith discusses the brand new release of jay and silent bob reboot robert carlyle chats the upcoming sky original cobra and the director of the fabulous rocket man dexter fletcher tells us all about working with elton and taron egerton all that and more but first dapper dave
1: who's next from working in a video store to rubbing shoulders with Hollywood's finest, our next guest made something from nothing and is truly living the dream. The new movie he wrote and directed, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, is in cinemas tomorrow. And here to tell us all about it is the man, the myth, the smith, the legend, <laughs> Kevin Smith. Morning, oh, Kevin. Oh, Lord. I've never heard the man,
7: the myth, the smith.
1: That's you like not, that? I'm stealing it. He's
7: good, isn't he? Oh, my God. Um, you guys are far too kind in the intro. I don't know about legend at all, but uh, but I have been around for 25 oh, years. Come
0: on. No one can ever really say that about themselves, but I can say it about you. And here, it's I I'll give you this much. I think I
7: did something that could be considered legendary when we made that, that movie. The, the it, first one. For Clerks, because that that captures people's imagination because they're like, oh, you're just like me. Like, a lot of people play me in life like their Avatar because they're like, uh, you're the guy I would be if I tried to do something. If I wanted to make a movie, like, I'd want to do it like you and stuff. So it's very encouraging, uh, but it, I... I understand the act itself was impressive. The man who performed the act not nearly as much.
0: Oh well, you got, and I, he's I been you,
7: living off that one act, like for twenty five
2: yeah, years.
0: The story is, you know, your life story is your life story, and some people change theirs, but it's still a story. Uh, so true, true. why not have just a one really good one? Okay, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot in cinemas from tomorrow. Original movie Clerks ninety four. Ninety-four. Okay, uh, so the, great story. If, now, if you don't, first of all, let's tell people who don't know because it's you know we can all preach the converted, but let's. Heavens, yes. Who are Jay and Silent Bob? Where did they come from?
7: We have uh, these two characters that have been standing outside of the convenience store uh, in a movie I made twenty-five years ago called Clerks. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob, two ne'er do wells, uh, two local morons who uh, are weed <laughs> dealers and stuff who periodically show flashes of brilliance. Um, They were uh, like adjacent characters. In fact, so much so that when the movie was sold to Miramax uh, in 1994, we played at the Sundance Film Festival um, at the fourth screening, uh, the fever pitch, the buzz built up, and Miramax bought the movie. So uh, at one point after the movie was purchased, I said to my lawyer, I was like, I want to use the Jay and Silent Bob characters in this Mallrats movie, which Miramax has nothing to do with. Universal's doing that. So... How do we do that? Can we ask them for permission? And my lawyer is like, we'll just ask him for the characters. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, why not? We'll give it a shot. So he went in and he was just like, uh, Kevin Smith would like to personally own the Jay and Silent Bob characters. He'd like to leave them outside of the deal. Like they're in this movie, obviously, so you have a license for that, but he wants to own those characters in perpetuity. And the word that came back was like, the movie's called Clerks. It's about the clerks inside, not the guys outside. So we can have those characters. Nice. And those characters have been my monetary umbrella, my spiritual <laughs> umbrella for 25 years. Whenever I needed them, Jane and and Bob have always been there. We performed under the name Jane and and Bob for the last 10 years doing a live podcast um, all around the world, including here at the Hammersmith Apollo and stuff. So it, it's it's been the gift that keeps on giving. It all came from... Jason Mewes, the kid who plays Jay in the movies, is no longer a kid, he's 45 now. But like when we started, he was a kid and he was one of the most original like American voices I've ever heard in my life. Incredibly funny, whacked out, um, just said things and not to like be like, I'm funny, right? Just his perspective, POV, was incredibly unique. And I'd always say to him, somebody should put you in a movie, man. I wonder if you'd be funny outside of New Jersey. And then years later when I figured out, ooh, I want to be a filmmaker, I was like, I'm going to put you in a movie. Cause I want to see if the things you say make people laugh outside of where we live. And they did like the movie went to Sundance and then because of Sundance got picked up and went abroad, we went to Cannes, we came over here um, and everywhere we went, people identify with Jay. They're like, I got an uncle just like that guy. My grandmother talks just like Jay. My girlfriend is Jay. So he's got this weird identity factor where everybody kind of knows him. And, I layered them in all the movies, so I, they started in Clerks. I brought them back in Mallrats. I brought them back again in Chasing Amy. They were minor characters in Dogma, this movie I made. Uh, then, of course, they had their own movie, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and then they were bit parts in Clerks too. Not only is Jay and Silent Bob reboot a sequel to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I figured like I, I had this heart attack a few years ago and I almost died, so I was like, well, I could die again at any moment. So let me try to put everything I can into this movie. So this movie sequelizes Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, and Jane. Silent Bob strike back at the same time.
0: Um, big love to Kev the Legend, Discover Clerks, and Mallrats in the mid-90s That you need game-changing. Now, that phrase, game-changing, game-changing, game-changers, mm-hmm. weight loss, you... Did you watch the movie? To, of course, we had him in. We had James Wilson last Get week. Get out of here. Yeah.
7: Uh, I went vegan after my heart attack, so in February, it'll be almost two years, and I can absolutely testify to the benefit. I know... Yeah, a lot of people, it's tough to talk about being a vegan because it triggers a lot of people, yeah. uh, particularly in America. If you're like, uh, oh, I'm a vegan, they're like, oh, now I'm going to eat three times as much meat. And you're like, all right, well, that makes no sense, but see you in hell. So essentially, it's tough to <laughs> it's tough to really like bring up without making people angry for yeah. some reason. Because like, I guess people feel like, I've lost so much. You took away my cigarettes, you took away my booze, and now you're trying to take away my meat and stuff. So I, I don't proselytize about it. Uh, because, you know, if people want to talk about it, they ask me about it, and I'll tell them, here, here's how I did it. Uh, I went vegan because I had to. Used to be happy, now I'm vegan. Um, but I did that because I had a heart attack. I had my uh, my arteries full of cholesterol, yeah. and and the, uh, the doctor the morning after my heart attack in the hospital was like, you know, you're packed with cholesterol, so you might want to think about going uh, plant-based. And my kid had been vegan for, like, three years at that point. And I'd watched her, like, kind of, she did it. She embraced it because she loves animals. She doesn't want to harm anything. And I was like, kiddo, it seems, like, so so difficult. Like, it limits the amount of places you could eat or the amount of things you can eat. And she's like, yeah, but I love the animals. So that was her thing. So there she is in the hospital with me after the heart attack. And the nutritionist is like, you might think about going plant-based. And the kid is like, yes, Dad, please. And she's a real first-world kid. Nothing bad ever happened to her. So my heart attack is, like, the worst thing that happened to her and stuff. So she was like, it would mean the world to me. And I said, you know what? I ate any way I wanted for 47 years, wound up here almost dead. So I'll try your way for six months. And the kid loves me. This I, the, I absolutely swear by that. I know that for a fact. But at the same time, she's very strategic as well. So while she was trying to save my life, I know for a fact she was like, if I could flip this meat eater, he's a get for the vegan community. So that's why she leaned into it super hard. And she got what she wanted. I've been out there like... Doing vegan stuff with her, like doing videos for Farm Sanctuary and cover of vegan magazines and stuff.
0: Right, you've oh, got to go. They're Otherwise, taking me you're away, it's both fired and it, you can't fire yourself, but they'll get pretty close. Kevin, thank you for excellent thank hanging you. out, Lovely man. See you.
6: Pleasure. Kevin
0: Smith.
6: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show
1: with Sky on Virgin Radio.
0: Dapper Dave, over to you, thank you.
1: If you think you've had a stressful day at work, just <laughs> wait until you see our next guest in 2020, Sky Original thriller Cobra. He has a hell of a time. From battling solar flares to betrayal within his own past, Party. He plays a Prime Minister under real pressure Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the acting powerhouse that is Robert Carlyle Good
0: morning, Robert Good morning, Chris How are you? I'm OK <laughs> uh, So you are jet-lagged? <laughs> I am very jet-lagged, but I'm here
3: And you said the m- m- more than before? More than before, I've done that journey many, many times But for some reason this time, I'm dying Alright, so so you, you landed when? I landed, uh, t- I don't know this late. week sometime. Okay, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, yeah. Okay, and you were yeah. up at
0: midnight. Oh, up at midnight.
3: Well, I went to bed at 10 and then woke at 12 o'clock, wide awake. Managed to get back to sleep and then woke up at 2. So oh, I've been I'm up so, since then.
0: I'm so sorry about this, Robert. <laughs> uh, Cobra launches seventy. The Sky 1, all episodes. Um, right, who do you play? Uh, who are you surrounded by? I've, se- I've seen the first couple of episodes. Mm. I haven't seen any more than that. Uh, who-, who do you play? Who are you surrounded by? And... Uh, The phenomenon that you're you're confronted with is, I I presume, it's potentially uh, possible.
3: It is potentially possible, which is a bit of a shocker. Uh, I play the Prime Minister. That's very current, isn't it? (laughs) It is very current. Uh, Robert Sutherland, and I'm surrounded by the wonderful Victoria Hamilton, who plays my Chief of Staff, and David Haig, who plays the um, Home Secretary. And we are in the middle of a crisis, which has been caused by a solar storm, which has emanated from the sun. What happens there is that solar flares fly off the sun, hit the earth, and that that, that knocks out all satellites, all kind of electrical, all everything is just kaput.
0: And so... so- have you, have you Prime Ministered it up before from a thespian point of view? I
3: have not, this is my first time as a PM. What, what
0: was it like?
3: What was it like? It was, I tell you, it's very strange being a Conservative Prime Minister, I don't think I'm going to get invited back into Scotland after this um, but it was, it was fun, real fun, it's an opportunity to play that, who would cast me as a Prime Minister? Yeah, so.
0: well, you're very good at it by the way oh, and um, and obviously there's all this stories of the trans tribulations of the individuals concerned because it's another Sopranos thing, the point is Tony Soprano is the boss of the Mafia but he's also a dad he's also a husband he's also got a family he's also got everything going on around him um yeah. where is your where was your 10 downing street because i'm always intrigued because <laughs> obviously
3: you can't go and do the you can't you borrow the real one no we you? tried to but they, kind of, they were busy they said um there was a place called the uh, cape thorn house i think it is and it's somewhere near macclesfield in actual fact right. that was the, the the interior of our downing street
0: now, have you have you been inside Downing Street yourself? I have not. Okay, I have. Oh, right, dear. and I got to tell you, it's pretty spotless. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it really? Yeah, no, it's like oh, that's what? good. That, and and your bunker. And um, what do you what what do you know about about the any secret bunkers there may be at Downing Street? I've no, I've never witnessed one of those.
3: Well, I I had I'd no idea that you can actually from Downing Street you go underground into Whitehall. Right. So that was interesting, and there uh, we, we kind of built this this set it was in um, Manchester, you know, which is the, houses the cobra room this cabinet office briefing room a yeah, yeah. and that's where all the kind of um, all the meetings are held with the, with the pm with the cabinet and all these kind of uh, special advisors and scientists and stuff like that and this is this is honestly i had no idea i did not know what cobra was <laughs> see when the script came through i thought it was about snakes right i really really did <laughs> this cobra is an this actual is because thing you live in
0: Vancouver and you you don't get involved in any of this nonsense anymore know. um the, the last okay. time we chatted was uh, around train spotting two okay that's a couple of years ago now uh, how, how is that you know now that it's had time to settle train spotting two mm. how, how how do you feel about that
3: very happy with it, you know, yeah. I think that Danny did a fantastic job on that, he was exactly true to his words, you know, he, he said he would only ever, ever attempt to do it the second one when we were ready to do it, when we were physically the right age to do it, yeah, and yeah. we had sort of aged appropriately, and I think we all had, and as we spoke, the last time we spoke was, yeah. bit, was about that, and it was just fantastic, and getting the chance to do a sequel or something 20 years after the first, it just never, ever, ever happens. So it was a real pleasure.
0: OK, so, I mean, I know it's way off, but there has to be another one.
3: That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, what well, everybody keeps talking about. I think it was setting a rest home the time we do... But no, but I think the next day. one should be
0: half this period again, so maybe 10 years' time or something like that.
3: <laughs> no, nah, make it 20 years. I'd like to be doing I'd like to be all, on their 60s or 70s. It would be quite interesting. Yeah,
0: all right. See, as an actor, I know you've worked loads, so, so it's all right. But, you know, we get actors in here who are really well-known, really... And, I, you know, I say, you know, what do you... just say, well, you know, not had a call. And they're in a big hit, you know, and sometimes yeah. sometimes it all goes quiet. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure I could I could live that ki- with that kind of uncertainty. And I think I'm a pretty spontaneous individual.
3: Yeah. I think that's part of the business, you know. You accept that when you go into the business that that might happen, that there may be quite quiet spells, you know. I'm, I'm Listen, I, I could be working every day, but it's, it's finding the right thing. You know, yeah. that's that's the most important thing. That, that's the secret to longevity. What do you
0: love? What do you love? when you know when the call comes in the, the, from your agent? What what, you, what guesses your juices flowing?
3: The money. <laughs> yeah,
0: honestly, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's a good answer. It was quite quick. It sounds like it, might yeah, be the truth. it, must, have, it must have been true. <laughs> Ah, I they always say if you seek the truth listen to the first <laughs> sentence not the last <laughs> wish I had not said that
3: no? <laughs> obviously obviously the scripts and the character that's been presented to me that's the most important yeah, thing right.
0: uh, I'm a history teacher says Nikki in Hull and I've used their sections from the rise of evil in my lessons to explain to GCSE pupils how Hitler uh, how Hitler gained power in Germany our pupils always remember that film many thanks to Robert for making a tricky part of oh, history a you. bit easy to explain thanks very much which, which thing you've been involved in do you think has been the most important for the rest of us
3: Oh, That's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, the the, the lovely thing about the, the Hitler piece that I did it is now an educational tool in American colleges. So I suppose that would be up there. In terms of being educational for people.
0: All right, Robert. Always a pleasure to see you.
3: Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. You
0: You may not remember being here (laughs) because I can tell you are extraordinarily jet lagged.
3: Where am I and who are you? Okay.
0: Well, we're on the 17th floor. Don't look down. We're quite high. (laughs) This is Virgin Radio with our pals at Sky, and that was Robert Carlyle talking about Cobra. Cheers. Which hits our screens. Sky One, all episodes, 17th of channel. The best of the Chris
6: Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
1: Who are we talking to now, Dapper Dave? Please tell us. Your weekend was the filling in our Elton John sandwich. On Friday's show, we had the man himself. And today, we have the brilliant director that brought his incredible story to the silver screen. From Bugsy Malone and Press Gang to Lockstock and Rocket Man. Please welcome the exceptional Dexter Fletcher.
0: Morning, Dexter. Good morning. Good morning. How are we this morning? Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> Uh, so, Dexter, you started off acting. What was the first thing yeah. you were in um, of any renown as a kid? Uh, well, um, interesting. I, of a renown I suppose, was Bugsy Malone.
6: It was when I was nine. <laughs> just B- just, just Bugsy Malone. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Bonnie Langford was in it as well. She's rather exceptional. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but before that, I, I, years ago, when I was six, I did a road safety film with uh, John Pertwee, who was right. Doctor Who at the time. Hey. So I was six, so it's 47 how, how, years ago.
0: How come? Was it mum and dad showed his background? Was you chomping at the bit or what? No, it, I mean, it was mum and dad. I mean, like, you know,
6: most parents, it's like uh, my, some kids played a recorder, some kids go to karate. Me and my brothers went to uh, a drama club in Islington. That my nan knew about. And it was uh, like Phil Daniels went there and Pauline Quirk yeah, and Kathy yeah. Burke and all of these. Good
0: stock, then. Good, good, stop, good pedigree. very Good stock.
6: Yeah, yeah. Anna Sher, her name is. And she's still around. Um So, yeah, we just went there as uh, kids after school. And then Alan Parker turned up there with a big old video camera with a big cable on it. And he was making Bugsy Malone. And we all did our Bugsy... Uh, See, I have auditions. not seen that for ages. We've got You've to watch that
0: with Bugsy? the kids. I've seen, I've oh, seen yeah. it. Before. I've seen it, but I've seen it for ages. Does, it, does that hold up well, Bugsy When mm. When's the last time you saw it? Really well. I mean I, I can't remember the last time I saw it, but it does, it stands up really well. And yeah. the splatter guns, how much fun was, was all that? Well, of course,
6: it's all smoke and mirrors, as you know. Uh, the splurge guns, as so they were. Were they splurge were, guns. They were splurge okay. guns, right. uh, and uh, they actually fired ping pong balls and then they would cut away, and Alan Parker would stand with a handful of cream behind the camera <laughs> and just
0: splash the camera. And what about the cars? Because they were the best pet cars ever, weren't they? They
6: were good. They were extremely exciting. They they all had these like, um, they had, like, a bicycle mechanism inside them, and we'd all try and get him in them and cycle about and ride them. Yeah, it was great. So when did you first get behind the camera, my friend? Um, I first about ten years ago now I did a small film called Wild Bill which, what well, I wrote with a mate Because, yeah, when I was a kid, I did a film with Bob Hoskins uh, called The Long Good Friday. uh,
0: uh,
6: It's a great film. Uh, But Bob was like, we should do a film about a kid and a a bloke. who, You know, the bloke's in prison. Anyway, he sort of mapped out this rough idea and I always retained it. So years later, after I finished Hotel Babylon, I was in the show Hotel Babylon. I wrote this script that was loosely based on this conversation with Bob. And I gave it to a producer and she just assumed that I was going to direct it. She sort of, And I realised that was my opportunity to get it made. So she said, so you're going to direct it? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I'm going to direct it. And she went, OK. And she ran off and she raised half a million quid and came back. And then I was like, oh, right. Now I have to direct it. And so then I did that and it was great, and I had Will Poulter in it, and Charlie Creed Miles, and all these great acts, Andy Circus is an old mate, and I had all these great people turn out, and... Um and it got nominated for a Bafta, which was rather pleasantly surprising. <laughs> and and then I thought, oh right, this is good. I'm onto something here. So then, once that happened, other stuff started coming along. Sunshine on Leith came along, which is the Proclaimers
3: musical. Amazing and, film. Thank you.
6: Uh, so it sort of happened, kind of. All right.
0: Like so that. you and Rocket Man, tell us about Rocket. Man. How did that happen?
6: Well, I'd worked with Taron uh, on Eddie the Eagle. Yep. And Matthew Vaughan had who was an old mate from Eddie the Lock- Eagle,
0: another great
3: film.
6: Thank you. well, uh, well so but Matthew Vaughan who produced it was an old mate from the Lockstock days. And uh, he so he brought that project to me and it just and then he he brought me Rocket Man and Taron was already attached and they'd all be hanging around with Elton on set doing Kingsman 2. And Vaughan just sort of talked to me like I was directing it. He didn't ask me as such, he just sort of started talking to me like, you know, you're directing it, Taryn's Elton, you know, we've got Elton's music, Giles Martin's doing the music, and... Uh, all these great
0: people. Not a bad team, is it's it? It's not a bad team. It's a bit it's, of Man United 1999, isn't is it? Is it? Oh, great! Well, no, I'll take that. Um, Elton hadn't seen it for ages, so he's doing. All, he was doing all this press yeah. with Taron, yeah. and I remember watching him doing interviews in America, and he said, "And they said, what do you think?" of it? Oh, I haven't seen it. Yet, I haven't seen it. Yet. But then he saw it, and he fell in love with it. Were you he there did. the night he saw it?
6: I was. Yeah. I mean, he he's, he'd been seeing bits and pieces of it, but I think he intentionally kind of kept himself away from the Absolutely. from the finished, finished product. And and the truth of it is, is that it became more and more of a rushed job because it was opening at the Cannes Film Festival it was, yeah. in May- and I was still working on it and I, you know, I, I just had this deadline that I had to meet and everyone else was like, great, so anyway, so the Red Carp is at six o'clock and, and I am I was still in London trying to get it finished with Giles, you know, mixing the music and the sound yeah. and there was all this stuff to still to be done and Elton hadn't really seen it, he'd seen the bits of it and um, and so I finished. I QC'd it. I quality checked it on the Friday, and then by Thursday we were in Cannes on the red carpet, and no one had really seen the finished finished that's
0: thing. That's good, though, isn't it? it For it, it to be that
6: raw. It was good in a way because I think it meant that I didn't have time to really overthink it. No, none, none of yeah, us did. Yeah. It was. Sort of, I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't, know. I'm just put it out there now, and that's we'll and see it, what Because
0: we heard about this standard innovation that, that it received. Out. Yeah. I mean, what, what was the What? How did you feel when that happened? You know, it can the can. You know, an Elton John biopic. You know, you've directed it, Elton Bliming John, Charles, <laughs> mine, George Martin's <laughs> blemming son, and you're at the Cannes Film Festival, and people love it. Yeah. What did that feel like?
6: Ah, it's it's not easy to put into words. It was a it was surreal to be quite. Did I you mean, have a shandy? That- I had, had a shandy afterwards. <laughs> Definitely did because we went down on the beach, down on the Carlton, and, and he, him and uh, Taron played, Elton oh! and Taron played down on the on the on the where the film oh! ends. What you you that know like? That was amazing. That oh! was absolutely amazing.
0: Dexter, it's good. lovely to see you again. I haven't seen you in years. I know, it's really well really done, mate. You. Thank you. Okay, let lovely me tell you again. You. Rocket Man out now on DVD and available to uh, digitally uh, download. Our interview with Elton John available, also as a podcast, and on the DVD on Blu-ray, all the extras. Oh, so loads of extras, interviews, everything like that, deleted scenes. Etc., etc., etc.
6: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
0: All uh, right, we have a very, very special guest in the studio now. Uh, we have cleaning royalty. Dapper Dave, over to you.
1: Her first book, Hinch Yourself Happy, sold approximately a bajillion copies, and she's not stopping there. Her new domestic Bible, The Activity Journal, is out now. So without further ado, Hinchers assemble and welcome the spotless Instagram sensation Sophie Hinchcliffe, also known as Mrs. Hinch. Mrs. Hinch is in the <laughs> house! Hello, Sophie. Hello. 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 I
8: just
0: feel cleaner because you're
8: here. <laughs> oh, don't! I haven't even made my bed this morning, so I can't really talk. But now,
0: um, listen. You uh, a, we love you. B, we love you. C, we love you. D, you become a mum since we last had you on the programme. Uh, yes. How's that going? Yes.
8: Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, so hard, but it's just amazing.
0: And what have you learnt about yourself?
8: That I can survive with no sleep.
0: <laughs> that's, um, a, that's quite interesting. Yes.
8: Isn't it? No. It's. It's amazing. It's a feeling that I can't even explain. A lot of people have asked, how does it feel? And I'm, I'm like, it hurts. I love him that much. It's the only way I can explain yeah. it. It's, it's amazing. What a
0: lovely way to describe it. Now, <laughs> thank you uh, for your everlasting um, dishwasher tablet tip for um, deep bottom pans that are a little bit burnt on the bottom. Uh, we had uh, crab risotto last night. No room in the dishwasher for our favourite big copper pan, which we do everything in. Dishwasher tablet in. Ten minutes later got everything on clean, enlighten new. <laughs> love it but that, that's my favorite tip of yours do, do you have a tip that people have is that is that like right up there in your top five would you say that people react to
8: no i've got do you know what i just my fave has to be the, the squeegee which you know like a window squeegee yeah, yeah, yeah. on some of your carpets to lift up any dog hair that's my fave and i picked that up somewhere on instagram i haven't invented these i just picked them up and share them and uh yeah, there's loads. There's
0: loads. I, I like the I like the hair drying this the, the broken egg on the kitchen floor. Do you know that one? No. So if you, you know if you if you drop an egg on the kitchen floor, mm-hmm. they're really hard to clean up because the more you clean them, the more they spread. It's the it does the so what you do? all you oh, the
8: goo and all that. Yeah, so I get you, what you're saying. So you get
0: a hair dryer out mm-hmm. and you you bake it with the hair dryer on the kitchen floor on the on the hard tiles. You bake it, and you just scoop it up and throw it in the bin. Oh gosh.
8: A little bit lost for words. Will you be, um,
0: will you be Instagramming
8: that? 100%. Will you give that a go later. 100%. Can you have, can you have that one on me. I'll tag you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: don't know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, so this book, Mrs. Hinch, The Activity Journal, this is lovely because. This is encouraging other people to do what you do, which is write things down. Once you write them down, A, you get them off your chest, B, they're out of you and down onto the page. You free yourself of them, but then you can look at them, you can, you can regard them, uh, you can contemplate them, you can file them away, and just that process makes you feel a little less stressed and a bit more organised. Is that right?
8: Yeah. For me, anyway, I love it. I have everything in this one, in this one journal, and... I think it's helped so many people that also feel the same, and I didn't realize. I didn't realize that so many people like to sit down every an evening and just jot all their feelings down, and then put their lists there. And it's just a really fun, fun book to bring us all together. And so far, I can't. I can't believe how well it's doing. I'm so pleased.
0: Okay, now this is. We can all have a go. At this, and you don't have to go through it from start to finish. You can no, sort of dip no, no. in, can't yeah, you? Yeah,
8: anywhere, middle, back, front, whatever you prefer.
0: And, and so, so you have. So you have different sort of. You have different subjects that you, you've discussed and that you've covered on your Instagram over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And and then you follow them with a, a sort of a, 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 an opportunity to fill things in. So no one is you and that is your power, for example. Yeah, I do
8: have a few quotes in there. I love I love a quote. And yeah. I think sometimes when people wake up, they can just read the right quote and it really helps. So I've got them sort of scattered throughout the journal. So um yeah, it, it means, and they're my favourite quotes as well. They are my favourite, my favourite. So hopefully, they help other people as well. Yeah,
0: and after, so that's on one page. No one is you, and that is your power. And that's followed by these activity pages. My journal: three things I'm proud I accomplished this week, and then there's the space for you to write those yes, in. Yes. Yeah. So you've you got know. loads
8: of activities, but the journal pages are, are really fun because you can you can sort of backtrack on the week and you can refresh yourself on the things that have gone right that week. Instead of everything that's gone wrong, you know at the yeah. end you can go, What a week. Yeah. Never again. But well, then you've got good bits you can write down and it just reminds you.
0: Because psychologically, um, you know, we, we are we are we default to our, our failures, not our successes. Yeah. And that's the way I... And I and wanted this, to
8: try and change that a yeah. bit with this book, if I can, no, and there's, <laughs> somehow. There's
0: deep reasons for that. But you say here, what was the best day of the week and why? So, mm. okay, well, what was the best day of the week? And suddenly your week seems to become a lot sunnier than uh, you, you may have remembered it initially. Yeah. What was the most challenging day of the week and why? So what? why was that challenging? Was it really challenging? Um, who was I inspired this week by? If I could relive any moment this week, which one would be and nice? why? So therefore you're saying, aren't you, so parts this week were so good, I might want to relive them. Mm-hmm. So where's all this rain gone? You know, bring on the sunshine is what you're saying. It's Fantastic. Thank, you. Thank who, you. But who created these categories? Is this something you've developed over the years? Yeah,
4: do
8: you know what? I've been. We've been working on it for so long, Penguin and I, and they are amazing, an amazing team. And when, when I got this and I looked through it, I couldn't believe that all of my little ideas were, were in one place. And... From word searches to dot to dots, just oh. fun things colouring into the more serious stuff where you can really write out your goals and think about your, you know, the near future and what you'd like to achieve. And I love that. And I'm ticking off my goals and I'm feeling like Mary no, Poppins at the moment. This would but... be great for kids as
0: well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You should, yeah. I mean, you, the kids kids could do this version. This is for everyone, but you could bring out a kid's special version. But look, look for example, look, if you're worried that you stay in too much, Right, that's one thing. If you were to go, you go out too much. That's another thing. So, how about the staying in versus going out page? <laughs> All right. So, so what we have here is two lists. Okay, like football fixtures, yeah. and you one represents uh, staying in, one represents mm-hmm. going out. And then you underline your favourite from each, and then at the end of it, you tally up. Well, I'm I a going in or staying out, person. Well, the point is, this upsides to both: slippers versus heels, slippers, makeup versus face mask, face mask, Copper versus cocktails. Copper. Suddenly we're just staying in. Yeah. Suddenly we're just staying. All my
8: followers will know my answers anyway. <laughs> Co- cozy versus lit. Cozy.
0: Naps versus late nights.
8: Naps.
0: Cinema versus Netflix.
8: Oh, that's quite close to that one yeah, actually, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, karaoke versus rave karaoke of course Uh, loungewear versus a dress loungewear Loungewear. floor versus sofa sofa takeaway versus restaurant takeaway boom
8: (laughs) we're all alike really yes uh, the the stadium's the new going out I say absolutely (laughs) and it's just page after page of this
0: absolute gold listen you're amazing you're always welcome on this show thank you
8: so much and
0: I love your new book I'm gonna I think we're gonna do a couple of pages tonight with the kids up until Christmas yeah
8: do it's fun it's so fun thank you to everyone that's listened
0: right and we'll do it in all (laughs) different coloured felt so it all looks nice so make it look beautiful Yeah, 100%. 100%. You're amazing.
8: Thank you so much, Chris.
0: Congratulations. Uh, That's Sophie Hinch live on your radio. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. I'm going to give you a mascara warning for this interview. I don't know whether one will be required, but it's there just in case.
1: Dabba Dave, who are we talking to next? She waltzed into our lives, playing the penny whistle and dishing out pop <laughs> hits left, right and centre. The cause have sold more than 40 million records worldwide and in her new memoir, Barefoot Pilgrimage, The Diamond of Dondork finally talks. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the stunning Andrea Corr. Cheers. Thank you very much,
0: Dabba Dave. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, Chris. Now, I thought I knew you. When yeah. I
1: read your book, I thought
0: I didn't know her at all. I mean, you know, we've known each other for years, but uh, congratulations. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. It's beautifully written. It's very thoughtful. Um, how well did you know yourself before you wrote this?
9: <laughs> Probably as well as you knew me. Um, no, I mean, I suppose, yeah. I, I, I did learn a lot in 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 the writing of it. I mean, I didn't, as I've said before, I didn't intend to write a book. It was just, it came from. The grief of losing daddy and then looking at my life and our lives and the journey we took and even and the home we came from and the parents we had and seeing it as remarkable with the distance I had from it. Um, and I suppose, yeah, then I just let my head do what it does and I wrote it down and I, yeah... I think I, I probably know myself a little bit more.
0: I liked it straight off at the back because I thought, oh, it's a bit Sylvia Plath meets Eckhart Tolle. It's a bit in the now. Then you talk about you know thoughts of suicide, and then you then you move swiftly on to to uh, family and to, to dad uh, and uh, Jerry, of course, and then we start to read his poems. Right? So so you, you did in your life had your dad also written poetry?
9: Yes, he did, and he he actually wrote his memoir himself after. You know about like oh so many years after mum had died, um, and yeah, yeah. But yes, those poems were along the way. But along, but along also with these beautiful poems and some. They are like one of his poems to me is the most heartbreaking moment in the book, first annual report. It's just so stunning and so heartbreaking. But he also would write. For um, on Valentine's Day, she would have to check the Irish Times and look and find the riddle that was meant only for her. So they were a bit more Benny Hill.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> he had
9: both sides to his character.
0: He had many yeah. sides to his character. Yeah. So, so your mum, she, she passed when she was fifty-seven. Mm, yes. Uh, and she, so, so they had your mum and her family, her siblings, had a hereditary issue. What, what was that?
9: Yeah, well, we we don't really know. We still don't know if it's hereditary. But she she found herself breathless um, uh, when she, uh, in like April of nineteen ninety nine, and then she was diagnosed with with uh, cryptogenic fibrosing alveolitis, which is like IPF, which is the fibrosing scarring over of the lungs, so you can't breathe, and um, so and and since then. Uh, s- um, there's six of those siblings have died of of this she was the youngest to die of it um and the first but we still don't know we don't know if it's it's you know it's it's very strange but i mean it could be the house they were in you know it, it's it's a it's a strange
0: thing uh, and i mean that uh, in, in a good way because it's not the longest memoir you'll ever read it's it's just over 200 pages um but it's all in there and it's all in there as as like, the whole of life is in many, many four line poems uh, because it's a book written in prose. It started off as an essay. It's got loads of poetry in there. It's got loads of uh, lyrics in there. And you, you know that that great review of, in, in the Irish I think it was the Irish Times or the Irish Independent uh, fantastic review because it says uh, Andrew doesn't necessarily always tell you what happened but she tells you how what happened made her feel and from that you can guess what happened anyway isn't that a great way of reviewing your book
9: <laughs> I really like it yeah I, I, I like thank you whoever wrote that because that's news had, to me now. had you heard uh, that, it no I hadn't heard that so, well you know never
0: read your yeah. reviews but that, I'll tell you that one. I thought that's what, what it's, it's funny because it's a very poetic way of reviewing a very poetic book
9: uh, right. Inspiring.
0: So now you're going to read out for, for you for for you is the the epicenter of the book. Would you say?
9: Yeah. Well, to me, it definitely is. Yeah, it, it is. It's, and it's a it's a poem that Daddy wrote uh, a year after, a year after uh, Mum died. So okay, first annual report by Jerry Core. A year on, my love. A year since we parted. You to the prayer, wrapped unknown. Me to a cell called freedom. In your place I have memory, a stingy usurper dispensing crumbs from the banquet of your table. Like a donkey in Omise, kicking my pride and your laughter animating the morns. Or Champagne Saturday, when we whooped and danced to new celestial arrivals on our cherished firmament. Your light is on dim now, my love, yet blinding flashes of you startle me awake from the barren limbo of my dreams. You'll be pleased. God is back. He left when you died, went AWOL, like he'd been found out, not having the answers, and permitting instead a soothing indulgence. Why hast thou forsaken me? Yet there again, my dear, I must allow for preoccupation with glamorous new arrival, introductions all round, glasses raised and all that. Yours is a spritzer, my love. That's about it now my dear except to say the blubbering has ceased and sorrow's sickly syrup of self expunged from the menu well in hope and prayer that is my love
0: as far as love is concerned that's a pretty high bar isn't it <laughs> <laughs> sorry I've just collapsed and I'm being <laughs> <having> stretched <laughs> out of the building show, that, hey, um, oh, yeah, I mean that's poor daddy love doesn't get bigger than that does it no
6: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.